Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. He's a two-time Olympian from Serbia. He's a world championships medalist, European champion, Mediterranean Games champion, and member of the DC Trident in the 2020 ISL. Today, we are talking to Velimir Stepanovic. Hello. Thank you for having me. coming on i'm excited to sit down and talk with you for a bit and as i mentioned you were on the dc trident for the 2020 isl budapest bubble and i want to start there take me through the experience of such a unique and and different swimming experience that was the budapest bubble for you uh i don't know obviously very different the only competition of the year uh so pretty excited because obviously no one really knew what form anyone was going to be in. Uh, I had not swum for two and a half months because of COVID lockdown, because here in Serbia, uh, everything was shut down. We basically even had martial law. We had a curfew seven to five. So uh, weekends, we weren't allowed outside at all. So we had pretty strict, uh, strict lockdown rules here. So getting back in the water, you know, that first week was pretty awesome. And being able to even think about having any form of competition was 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 really good. And ISL made that happen. Uh, it was definitely a different experience, obviously, with the masks, with being, you know, although to be fair, it's not that much different from how we were training prior to that. It was basically just home uh pool pool home and that was it so those were very similar um and it was quite enjoyable i think i think it sort of got everyone closer together in the team uh because obviously the year before i was also on dc trident and obviously we do have a really good team spirit but it was three competitions in like a three or two month span and this was more more intimate and uh i think the team got closer together so it was definitely interesting in that sense, it's a shame we didn't get to spend more time together because we obviously didn't make it to uh, semifinals, but uh, it was definitely something that I'm not ever going to forget. Yeah. I mean, it, everyone I've talked to has said it was a really overall very positive experience. And obviously, like you said, with no competitions, with limited training, depending on where you were at during that time, um, it was it was a warm welcome for swimmers in that regard. Um, so you mentioned that your training was pretty limited. Once you got into the bubble, uh, did you, did it take a while to kind of get into just practice shape and racing shape for you? Well, we had, we, we were lucky enough to, uh, have like some sort of mini time trial where a couple of the top, uh, Serbian swimmers got to race. And I had, I had done a decent amount a decent block of training, mostly aerobic, just so, when when we got started back uh, after the three month break, let's say we were looking, my coach decided to call it minus six weeks. So from the point uh, of being at zero is like base level after two weeks of no competition, after a major competition, two weeks break, you start from zero, but we were at minus six and we sort of worked our way for those six weeks to try and get back to a, you know, a shape that's considered okay uh and then obviously from there on it was everything positive so we had six weeks worth of uh uh to work backwards to get just back into re the regular shape and then uh, maybe i had a month and a half two months to prepare for isl so it was mostly it wasn't really any race work per se it was just a case of getting my technique back getting everything back into to place aerobically and then obviously the racing itself at ISL was uh, basically my training for racing. And obviously that first, I think the first competition was okay. I swam decently, but obviously the second and third one and fourth were, were much better. So it just took me that one, one competition to sort of get into the swing of things. And then the other 
three, the next three were, were much better just um, dusting off that uh, uh, non-racing period, which lasted about, what, six months? More than six months? <laughs> I, was, I was lucky enough to actually get my Olympic A cut for Tokyo in January. So I had, uh, I had raced in January, but a lot of people didn't ha even have that option. So I was, I was fairly lucky in that sense. Just this past January of 21 or January? No, 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 no. Last year, last year. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so going into that first meet in the ISL, what were you focusing on knowing you hadn't raced in six months? Just the details, I guess, uh, you know, turn, start, underwater. To be fair, 400 isn't really a race where the underwater or the start means that much, but, you know, it's a case of getting into the swing of things and getting that right since I did have the 200 fly and obviously later on the 100 fly as well as, as events, so the start was pretty important. But um, just getting those details right, getting into the swing of things, feeling the water, and just having fun, honestly, uh, after not racing for a while and knowing that that's probably going to be the only race for a big chunk of time, you know, just savor every minute of it, enjoy it and uh, have fun. And I certainly did that. Yeah. And how did your goals and focuses uh, heading into those races change as you moved into the second, third and fourth meets? I guess it was just always trying to do at least one thing better in, in the race uh and obviously i especially the 400 freestyle i swam every race with zane grothy and so he uh out of the seven times or eight times that we've raced so far i don't even know we've we've swum every 400 together since uh since we've been a part of the dc trident so i think that's seven times uh he beat me on every single one so far so it was just a case of always trying to you know beat him or stay with him, keep up with him. And obviously there was uh, that one race on the third match where we tied for first place. So, uh, you know, it was, it was just a case of racing him because he was usually in the, in lane two and I was in lane one. So if he was in front, I couldn't see anyone else. So my, our, my main job was just to sort of like try and keep up with him if he was getting away or trying to beat him. So every, every competition was basically just trying to uh, push each other to, to be in the top three, top one and two. And I think we did really well in that sense. I mean, if you're tying for first, seems <laughs> yeah. like, it seems like something, right? That, that was an interesting day because uh, I remember uh, it was an evening session and we had that 400 freestyle. But that the morning we went to the pool, uh, we did separate warm-ups, but then we decided to do 1050s on a minute, I think it was, just building, I think, one, uh, one to four uh, or one to three four to six, seven to nine, and then one like a little bit harder. And we basically hit every single one the exact same time. And then to in the evening tie for first place, it, uh, it couldn't have been sweeter. <laughs> that is sweet. And that's something you don't normally see. Did you and Zane get to train together while you were there in Budapest at all? Uh, we, we didn't actually train together. It was just sort of a one-off thing. I, I thought to myself, might as well do do at least one session or one like uh, race warm-up and one uh, uh, with him since we're going to be racing together. Might as well, uh, you know, get a feel of the uh, of each other's pace. Uh, obviously, he's a, he's a 400, 800, uh, 1,500 meter swimmer and I'm more of like 100, 200, 400 swimmers. So our, our training wasn't really compatible in that sense because uh, he was doing some huge blocks of training uh, while I had a much lower amount of kilometers done uh, weekly. So we couldn't, but um, you know, it was just fun being able to do you know, race pace together and sort of get ready for, for that evening's race. Yeah. And so then, uh, what was your training like during that bubble, especially with those, you know, races every weekend. And I'm, I, I forget, can you remind me, 
the third and fourth competition, were they a week apart for you guys or were they closer together? It, it, the third and fourth were a week apart. Second and third were like two days apart. And okay. first and second were also a week apart. So we had second and third really close together. Uh, the way I worked uh, was that first week was had a lot higher volume. And then the following two weeks or two and a half weeks were sort of reduced in volume. So I could race faster, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a struggle because of, because of not having enough time between, especially the second and third competition. It was a, it, it was a really big problem for recovery. And I know that I hadn't taken a day off between arriving in the isl bubble and until after the third match i took a day off because i wanted to like continuously keep feel of the water and i didn't really have enough time between uh the first and second match second and third match to actually uh want to sort of uh take a break let's say so uh it, it was a struggle and sadly uh well it's not really sad as much as i actually tore my subscapular muscle while i was at isl during the second or third match i still pushed out the fourth match really well and i'm really happy i managed to do that for dc but i came with obviously the next uh, two months after that recovering and thankfully uh, i did and I was really strong and I was really, really good. And unfortunately, I'm sitting here quarantined because I managed to contract COVID and I'm in my uh, eighth or ninth day of quarantine. So uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, I like to think that I'll come back stronger. Wow. So that's that that was a loaded answer. Yeah, it was. <laughs> There's a lot to break down in there. So first of all, you the second and third match were only a couple days apart you didn't take a day off until after that third match but the third match you still swam really well you won the 400 tied tied with saying growth for yeah. first um i mean how do did you rationalize that in your heads in one way or another well i mean i just i guess it was uh just going with the flow you know you don't you don't stop and i think the thing that helps all athletes that are at ISL is that team atmosphere. It's not, you're not just swimming for yourself at the end of the day, you're swimming for the team, you're swimming for points and you're swimming for overall, uh, you know, staying in the competition. And I know that even after the second match, you know, it was, we knew that we had to all swim really well to, to make it through. And I think that's what sort of pushed me to swim the times that I did. And, 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 uh, just go that extra little bit for the team because obviously at competitions at major competitions like the Olympics and worlds and Europeans, uh, you do have relays and everything, but, uh, when you're swimming individuals, you're swimming for yourself. But when you're in swimming individuals for at ISL, you're not swimming for yourself. You're still swimming for the team. And I think that adds, uh, an additional sort of motivation to your swims. And so I feel it was just that it was just rolling with the punches and just going all out for every race, giving your all, your all. And I think that uh, DC has that sort of culture where they don't expect it's obviously it's nice winning, but they're not expecting you to win. They're just expecting you to give everything that you've got. And they know that you're going to give everything you've got. And I think that's what also makes uh my team pretty special in that sense. And that's what I enjoy about DC Trident. As you were describing the Trident earlier in our conversation, um, that, that idea came to mind and it sounds like a really great environment to be a part of, because as you said, <laughs> winning's great, but on the DC Trident, it seems like there's almost that alleviated pressure of, look, you don't have to win, but uh, just, try your best and let's have fun swimming. And that, I mean, that, that seems like what the ISL is all about. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, that's, that's the point where you swim your best. You don't swim your best when you're stressed, when, you know, you, you want to do, obviously you always want to do well, but if you're stressed and worried about what someone else will think, or if, uh, 
you know, your team's going to think uh, badly of you for swimming, for swimming poorly or anything, you know, it affects you. So being calm and knowing that there's no pressure to, to be first, I think that's when the best results come, come into fruition. Yeah. And so you, you had some great results and then you get this injury. Uh, (laughs) tell me about how you sustained it and how you sustained racing through it, uh, through that fourth match. Well, honestly, I didn't know that I had done that. Um, obviously we just worked on it. I knew I had a problem in my shoulder and I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I had one more competition to do. And so I just sort of pushed through it. And it's not until I came back to Serbia and went to physio, got an ultrasound and it showed that I had, uh, had torn that muscle. I hadn't known until obviously then. Uh, and so what happened was I had a month to go until nationals, Serbian nationals. And so we sort of just tried to, uh, just sort of got it working so that I could get through at least a month of training, do nationals. And then once nationals came around, swam that did pretty well all things considered. And again, it was a case of, um, you know, talking to the coach and obviously with winter break coming around and holidays, we decided to take 10 days off just from arms. So I would, I would do a lot of kicking. I know that my first session after that was a 5.3 K set and 4.5 was kick. (laughs) So, um, it was a lot uh, kick driven and no arms just because usually they tell you it's four to six weeks recovery from an injury like that. We took two to three weeks of easy going and it's, it was back to back in top shape. So then it came obviously um, Jim getting that back to some decent level slowly getting it back into form and getting all the muscles strong again so that I can do some more intense lifting in, in the gym. And would, so, and so now are you pretty much back a hundred percent? Well, yeah, apart from the COVID part, yeah, I'm a hundred percent in terms of my physical, physically, I'm hundred percent, obviously with, uh, with COVID I last week it was on, uh tuesday i woke up feeling fine went to training did sort of like a aerobic just under 7k set and i came back and the my muscles were like sore but in not a normal kind of sore sense they were sore in a different kind of way and then i measured my uh i had a fever 37.5 i don't know what that that is in fahrenheit i'm sorry for the american view, viewers I, I i honestly don't but it was higher than needed and i went and got a pcr test and i was positive and so training sort of had to now come to a halt again uh got a couple of more days of quarantine to it's two weeks usually here and then obviously you shouldn't be getting back into training too aggressively after COVID going to have to go and get some tests done, see if everything's all right, but I feel pretty good, which is, which is a good sign. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. You mentioned unusual muscle soreness and a fever. Did you experience any other symptoms? I know everyone's experience who has contracted COVID has been, has varied pretty, uh, pretty largely from case to case. I think I wouldn't have had that big of a problem had I not swum that morning. The, the swim just sort of tipped me overboard, I feel. Uh, I had, you know, a scratchy throat. Uh, I had a headache. My eyes, like, I couldn't move my eyes. If I looked right or left, up or down, my brain hurt. So it was mostly just that. So muscle pain, but the muscle pain was the one that lasted the longest. It took three or four days for me to... Uh, feel better in terms of that but I feel like that's just because um, it sort of got pushed over the edge from that one session but the rest was was gone within two days it was just uh, I think it was just that 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 swim that that pushed me over and if it hadn't been for that I probably wouldn't have had any symptoms but it would have happened anyway because I would be training and at one point it would have uh, it would have hit me so 
So it's better now than maybe in three months time when Olympics rolls about. That moment when you found, when you, you're like, oh, I tested positive. Was that scary at all? I feel like emotionally for, you know, if I've, I've not had COVID yet. Uh, very grateful for that. But I feel like at this point, you know, we're in the midst of this pandemic. And at this point, if I got COVID, just the idea, not even the physical symptoms, like you said, aren't that bad, but the idea of like, oh my gosh, I have COVID. Was that scary or, uh, you know, surprising for you at all? Uh, I wouldn't say it was surprising. Uh, the minute I felt the way I did, I knew that it was that because I had never felt that way before. And uh, I just looked, I try to always look at the positive way of looking at things. You know, it's better now than later. Obviously, <laughs> sadly, I was, we just got an email maybe yesterday or day before from the Olympic Committee of Serbia to tell us that we're, we're going to be getting vaccinated uh so now because i contracted COVID, i probably can't do that for three months i think so it was was just like that little block of time that i missed that i could have avoided but you know it's you know it's life you can't really change the outcome i couldn't have changed the outcome so there's no reason to uh you know beat myself up over it or anything like that It, it was scary at first because that first day i really did not feel good but um you know, I, I was confident and I had full confidence in the team here and uh, all the doctors here that if anything were to happen, that I'd, I'd be okay. It's reassuring. That's, yeah. that's, that seems very positive. Um, backing it up just a little, you know, before ISL, you had said your situation in Serbia was fairly um, intense, fairly locked down. You said, you know, martial law, uh, curfews no going out on weekends. Had you ever experienced something like that before? And just what was getting through that period like for you? Uh, no, I've, I've never experienced that actually. Um, it was the first time it was, it was just weird. I mean, obviously as a swimmer, you're not, we're not really prone to going out anyway, regularly. We don't really have the time, but I mean, I personally don't, maybe some other people do, but I definitely don't. Uh, so it wasn't really too much of a change. It was just a change that I, you know, couldn't go and swim. I couldn't go and, 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 uh, train. And that was, that was the worst part. And then that came with obviously, you know, ordering online gym equipment just to try and keep, you know, some form of sanity and some form of fitness up. Uh, so uh, it was, it was an interesting time, I would say, but yeah, I, I, I never experienced it. Obviously it was different everywhere, but, uh, you know, luckily we, we got through it and, uh, I wasn't alone. So it, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. I think it's worse when someone's, you know, by themselves, uh, it, it would be much harder, but if you have someone, it, it, it's much easier. That was my follow-up. Did you, do you, do you have roommates or did you have, yeah, someone to spend that time with? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, me and my girlfriend quarantined together. So, uh, it was, it was all right. Uh, it was a lot of learning new things, you know, learning new cooking, cooking new stuff. I like cooking generally, but we use that time to try out new things and cook something every day. It was actually, you know, in some, weird way a healthier lifestyle because you're cooking you're making your own food you know sometimes you're too tired you just order but um it was it was an interesting time and you know we 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 filled that time up pretty well yeah the i mean i'd like to get into that a little more if you're comfortable with it i know there was it was hard emotionally for a lot of people and there were highs and lows uh, throughout that period of just being forced to stay in. And like you said, I think swimmers are, might be a little more used to this because we're so prone to staying in a lot. We're always so tired from training that it's like, why would I go out and do things? <laughs> I, yeah. I want to sleep. Um, but you know, and you mentioned getting gym equipment for the sanity reason, as well as for the fitness reason, did you have other, things that you turned to just for sanity for keeping you stable emotionally 
Not really. I mean, we, we didn't go too far uh, from what we usually do, apart from obviously the cooking and the training. We, we set up a nice little, you know, nook outside on, on the balcony to have, since it was nice weather anyway here at, the, at that point. It was, you know, spring going into, into summer. So uh, it was nice weather. So we were able to, you know, sit outside, get that sort of fresh air that we needed as well. Um, and, you know, when we could, we would go on, you know, little walks and stuff. To be fair, my uh, my girlfriend was luckier than most. She actually worked uh, testing the PCR tests to see if they were if the people were positive or, or negative. So she had um, she had like a special uh, paper that when she went around, if uh, someone you know stopped her on the street, she could show that paper to say that she was working and she was allowed to be outside. So she actually. Uh, got to go out a lot more than I did. Uh, so it was much easier for her. And then she would tell me what was outside, what it looked like, <laughs> if it was nuclear fallout or if it was all right. But uh, yeah, it was, I didn't, uh, we, we, we like to watch series. We like to watch movies. I think the hardest thing is just uh, listening to the news. And I, I stopped doing that probably two weeks in because it, it was it was pretty hard listening to, you know, how many people died that day and how many people got, you know, contracted COVID and all that. Obviously, it's still happening now and we still listen to it, but it was it was a huge shock to the system to hear hear those numbers. So uh, we sort of took a step back from that uh, for a while. Obviously, we come back to it now, but I think I think that part was was really hard for me. And I chose to just, you know, take a step step back uh, and focus on, you know, my, our own little, what we had to do to, uh, to stay okay before, uh, listening to what, what was happening around in the world. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It was a very bizarre time, I think for everyone. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I'm glad to hear that, you know, for the most part you got through it. Did, was, was there a point where just in terms of your career, your swimming career, especially with the Olympic postponement that you felt, I don't know, that you looked differently upon your swimming career? No, not really. Uh, I mean, it, it seems bad to say this, but I feel like uh, uh, it was not not a blessing in dis disguise, but uh, the what happened and the fact that the Olympics were postponed were a good thing for me since I had obviously, like I said earlier, I got my Olympic A cut in January, 2020. And then I had what, five months more, uh, five more months worth of training to prepare for the Olympics. And obviously before that, it was, you know, a lot of stress that comes with getting that Olympic cut, making it. And as I said earlier, also in the podcast, the best time to, races when you're and the best time to train even is when you're you know relaxed and you don't have anything looming over you and I feel like that's exactly what I needed and because I have my Olympic cut I don't have to think about that and it's just been a lot easier for me to train hard and to just be present uh when I train instead of thinking about some goal of wait first I have to make it and then I can go and now I know that I'm definitely going and I can focus on on that makes a lot of sense um I I want to talk a, a little bit more about your career you've had you've been at an elite level for a, a, over a decade now uh, you made your first Olympics in 2012, you went in 16, you've now qualified for your third Olympics. Um, but you, you know, started winning medals, uh, at the, at the junior level in 2009 and then 10, 11, same thing. And then you went on to win medals at world championships to win European championships. Um, I mean, has there ever, and, and, and to give context to our audience, you're 27, so you, you started at a, at a young age um, yeah. and you've, you, you are now a veteran, but you're really not that old. Um, have, have, has this made you look different 
or has this made you think differently just about looking back on your career at all? Um, not really. I, I wouldn't say so. I think most people, uh, to be fair, uh, how old I am is actually, and when I started, for example, I think I was 22 when I won at Europeans. Uh, there are juniors now that are way faster and way younger, obviously younger, and are breaking world records. So it's, uh, I wouldn't say I'm that young. It's just a change in, uh, I think, training and a new generation has come up with new different techniques of training. But uh, I haven't really looked back on it differently. You know, I'm, I'm really proud of what I managed to achieve coming from such a small country like Serbia. Uh, to give context, I, I actually trained in Dubai and I was born in Abu Dhabi and I uh, trained and lived in Dubai for 24 years out of these 27. It's only been the last three years that I moved back to Serbia because uh, I changed coaches. So I, uh, it's, been, it's been different in that sense, but you know, I'm just happy that I managed to sort of, obviously barring Chavic, uh, put Serbia on the map in that sense. And I'm really happy to also be the only, uh, let's even in the Balkan region, the only swimmer from the Balkans to, to be an ISL. So I think everything that I've done so far has led me into being who I am today and to even have the opportunity to race in ISL. Uh, and it just shows that the work that I put in you know, someone saw that and uh, they respected that enough to, to call me to be a part of their team. Having, I'd like to get to your, to, to the Abu Dhabi piece in a minute, but having been in the sport for so long, um, especially in these later years, what has kept it interesting for you? What has kept that love of swimming intact? Because I feel like they're, you know, or if, if you're doing that, at such a high level for such a long time in our sport and in the events that you swim, there can certainly be some burnout, I think. Yeah. And I think that, uh, that was, that was honestly a place where I was in 2016. Uh, I was extremely physically ready to race very, very fast, but, uh, mentally I just, I was crushed. I, I had no energy in me mentally. Uh, so Rio didn't go as planned. And then I took three months off and, you know, it just, uh, my coach at the time told me to just, you know, take however much time I needed until I had that hunger back. It's not that I didn't have the hunger. It's just that I was burnt out. Like I, I wasn't mentally, mentally there. And so I took three months off and I think, uh, just taking time off for yourself is, is the main thing. And I just love the sport. I love racing. I've always loved winning. Uh, I really enjoy it. There's, there's not much to say in that sense. I mean, and whenever I do, uh, any interview or if, uh, a child asks me or anyone really asks me why I continue this sport and what, what should kids do? to get to that level is always that for me, the first uh, on, you know, at first place is to love the sport. You have to love the sport in order to do it. And I truly do uh, because it all that everything comes from love. And uh, a great example of this is when I was younger, you know, I was waking up at four 30 to go to the pool uh, to swim. And my mom was driving me everywhere. I didn't have a driver a driver's license at that time. And my mom would, you know, wake me up and go, you look really tired, you know, just, just sleep in. You can, you can go to school, but just sleep in, don't go to training. And I'll, I'll be like, but mom, I love this sport. Like I want to go do this. And I think that's the difference. You can't really, for the parent can't force. I think that when, 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 uh, especially when you're a child, if you're forced into doing something that you don't want to, you'll grow to hate it very, a lot, a lot quicker, or, you know, you'll grow to hate it in general. And so I think my parents never put that pressure on me. And I think that's why I've uh, managed to love the sport for so long is because never one, no one was ever forcing me to do it. Um, I wanted to do it. And it's, it's, it was like that when I was 
13 and it's like that when I'm 27. And especially with the addition of ISL, I think that gave me an extra sort of spark, an extra sort of ignition uh, and an extra gear uh, because it's something new and uh, it's something that I really enjoy and it's something that I really hope sticks around. I think you speak for all of us when, yeah. when uh, we're, we're all hoping ISL sticks around, certainly from a fan's perspective, it's, it, I love watching it. And from the, the athlete's perspective, it seems like a very positive step in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, some of the coaches in Serbia were coming up to me after ISL finished and they were saying that, you know, grandpas and grandmas that don't know anything about swimming were, you know, ones that come recreationally to the pool would come up to him and go, man, that ISL is something else. So interesting. Like, you know, uh, so it just goes to show that what they're doing, you know, has something, uh, it has that, that value. And I think I, I do speak for, for basically all swimmers when I say that it, it is, it, it could become something truly spectacular. In, in the coming years. Yeah. I, I want to go back to that 2016 Olympics when you said physically you were very ready. Um, but, uh, but mentally you were just, you know, not there. Was that, was there a particular incident that kind of caused that? Or was that just, you were, you, you were burnt out. I, I think, um, I think it was a sort of mixture of, burnt out with, you know, I, I had been with that coach, uh, for 12 years, uh, for two, until 2016. And, you know, it's just, sometimes you work well together and that sort of deteriorated and it just wasn't the same anymore. You know, it was a lot more stressful on poolside, a lot more edgy instead of being, you know, easygoing and everything. So I think it was just a case of, that pressure as well, not just, I mean, not from my parents or just even from the coach, like it was never, uh, but you know, pressure includes also what, uh, expectations from, from Serbia, from the country, you know, from the Olympic committee, not, not that they would say that, but you know, you get the feeling and you want to, you want to give back and you want to, you want to do the best you can. And I think it just sort of, if you don't manage that correctly, it just sort of pushes you over the edge. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the times when I talk about 2016, I, I feel it's, uh, you know, I think about it as a failed year. And then I always have to remind myself that that year I was, uh, I, I came second, came in second place for a 200 freestyle at Europeans and that's not a small feat. So, you know, I always try and remind myself of the, of the good things that I did that year. Uh, and that the Olympics doesn't define who I am or, you know, how I swam that year. Yeah. The, I mean, and I think that's a hard hurdle for anyone at your level to not have how they swim at the Olympic games to find their career or them as a person. Um, but that's, does seem like a very important step in every swimmer's career. Certainly a lot of swimmers that I've talked to in this podcast, um, which is, which is very cool. And you mentioned you had been with that coach for so long. I'm, so I'm guessing that was basically up to the 2016 Olympic games. You had been with this coach your entire career. Yeah, basically. I mean, obviously, uh, I started swimming when I was maybe, well, three years old, technically. Uh, but I didn't really start training properly until I started training with him, which was when I was about 11, 11, 12. And uh, we, I had never gone to an international competition or anywhere. And he didn't want me to be a big fish in a small pond because in the Emirates, in the United Arab Emirates, there's not really a lot of top level athletes. So we took a trip to Millfield in England. And, you know, I got, I, I got like a couple of medals and, and like a top boy trophy. And then he sat me and my uh, mom down after that and said that I could be really good. 
uh, if I trained. And that was basically the point I started training properly at the age of 11 or 12, probably a little bit later than most people or most swimmers do nowadays. But, you know, it goes to show that it doesn't mean too much in the long run, as long as you're willing to put the work in. So, yeah, I'd been with him for, for 12 years, you know, leading all, all, the, all the medals that I uh, got in that space of 2009 Tampere in Finland to, to 2014 and the, the World Cups and Mediterranean Games and all that were all with, with him. And so then you, you know, like, like you described, a lot of reasons that uh, a, a coach-athlete relationship can deteriorate over time. That's a long time to be with the same coach. And so eventually uh, you take some time off and then you found a new home. What inspired that move from the United Emirates to Serbia? Well, the the coach uh, is from Serbia. So it was logical for me to come here and to train. And I knew that uh, I would have pool time and all that. And it just made sense, I guess. Uh, obviously I am from here. It is my home country. So it wasn't too big. It, 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 it was a little bit of an adjustment, but not too big of an adjustment. Uh, so that was, that was really the only thing that inspired, inspired the move. It was just a case of, uh, the coach that I was working with was here. And so I just moved here to, to be a part of that. So you're from Serbia, but you were born in Abu Dhabi, right? Yes. Did you live there for the first uh, 20 something years of your life? Uh, lived in Dubai. So I was only born in Abu Dhabi because uh, my parents, there was a Serbian doctor, I think, in the in the hospital in Abu Dhabi. And so my parents wanted to be, t- <laughs> my mom wanted to had me delivered there and that was literally the only reason but my parents have lived in dubai for i don't know 25 years or something they how much 33 there my mom just told me so uh 33 years it's it's a it's a very long time you know they were there when there was basically just sand and nothing else uh they watched dubai become what it is now so uh yeah i think I think living in Dubai gave me perspective in terms of when I travel anywhere uh, I got, I mean, in my school alone, I think in my whole class alone, there was 79 nationalities. So uh, I had that, uh, had that experience of getting to know a lot of different cultures before even going out and competing. And I think, uh, I think that helped me a lot with uh, making, making friends in, in the swimming world. Certainly seems helpful, especially on the international stage. Uh, I'm curious, how far is Abu Dhabi from Dubai? Uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai is a relation of about an hour uh, by car. Okay. So it's pretty close. It's pretty 120, close. 120 kilometers, I think. Okay. Which again, I don't know what it is in miles, but yeah, it's an, yeah. an hour, an hour drive is universal. Yeah. So no yeah. worries. Um, okay. So pretty close. And then you grew up in Dubai. Um, so like you said, you, you moved back to Serbia. You, you followed this coach there. Was there much of a cultural difference? Um, had you ever lived in Serbia before? Uh, no, I never lived in Serbia before. It's definitely a cultural difference. It's an everything difference, honestly. But um, I think that even even after living in Dubai for 24 years, uh, it's not so much uh, the place that I called home. It was the fact that my family was there. And the, uh, that's the only difference that I have when I came here is that my my parents and my brother still live over there and I live over here. Um so I never really, I didn't really have that big of a problem adapting to the lifestyle lifestyle here. It's a little different for sure. In Dubai, you know, you have to drive everywhere. Nothing's close. Um, you know, you have, you have the uh, main road called Sheikh Zayed Road, which is six by six, like six one way, six the other way. It's, it's huge. You know, it's, it's, uh, while here it's very different, you know, over there it's skyscrapers, everything's made of glass, you know, everything's glamorous here, you know, you have 
two sides of a lake one is like uh the it's called new belgrade and then you have like the old town which is where i live which is a lot more hilly and it has a lot more you know soul in it and it's a lot more it's different architecturally it's different everything's different so and it's a lot uh, slower pace of life and you can actually walk places so uh there's a lot of different different things but uh i i adapted pretty quickly and i was lucky enough to uh uh have my cousin introduce me to a lot of his friends who are still to this day uh my best friends here in the in the city so uh i was lucky to have that sort of support group and uh be surrounded by people who wanted to help me and did help me in 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 that transition period that that does seem like a very helpful thing to have and so then how long have you been in belgrade now so I moved to Belgrade 2018, 2018 in October. So that's two and a half years. 17. Is it 2017? 17. I think it's 2018. Maybe it's 2017. Yeah, it's <laughs> 2017. So three and a half years now coming up soon. Mm. So it's, it's been, it's, it hasn't been that long, but it has, it has gone by pretty quickly, I have to admit. Yeah. And, and in terms of your swimming, um, did you feel a rejuvenation there once you kind of switch coaches, switch locations? For sure. I think, uh, my coach now, Sebastian Hegel, he, uh, he's a very good coach. He coached, uh, Nadja Hegel. She won worlds in 20, uh, 2009 in Rome, 200 breaststroke. Uh, so he's very technique driven, which as, me who's not that big doesn't have big feet uh you know is 182 centimeters tall i i need my technique to be perfect and he's very detail orientated in that sense and i think it's much more of a relaxed sort of you know just a relaxed sort of approach in in terms of swimming and i think that helped me uh get back on track to what i wanted to achieve uh so yeah it's been it's it's been good i've enjoyed it yeah. And Obviously we, we, we butt ahead some, we butt heads sometimes, but, uh, Oh, you know, no, no athlete and trainer can say, or coach can say that they haven't, you know, argued at least once. <laughs> Certainly. And do you, do you have a group you train with now or is it just you? No, I, I, I mostly train by myself. Uh, there, we do have like mini Serbian training camps where I might have some additional help, but honestly, I've, for the most part in my swimming career, I've never really had someone to, to race with. Sometimes I have, it's been on and off. Um, so uh, I don't really mind not having a training partner, uh, but it's, I, I enjoy it. I, I, I get it done all the same. My times are really good in the water. Obviously it's, it's easier with someone, but I, find that if you can brave it out and tough it out without anyone, that's probably even better. Interesting. I feel like there's a lot of top athletes I've spoken with, um, especially many from the ISL who are in a similar situation who kind of train by themselves. Um, I think in the United States, that's very uncommon for us. And we were like, Whoa, what? you can do that by yourself. That sounds so hard, but then, you know, a lot of other top athletes might just have very different situations and it's kind of seems like what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, obviously in America, you have, you know, three sets of heats of 200 fly that are all going sub 157. And then like you have me, who's the only person that's uh, hit under two minutes for 200 fly in the past 10 years. So, you know, it's, it's just a case of, you know, having, if you have depth, obviously you can do that, but without the depth, uh, you can't. Serbia has, uh, definitely progressed in terms of depth. You know, we have a, we have a decent four by 100 freestyle team. Uh, you know, we have three of us, two that can go uh, well two of us that can go standing start 48 and one that can go flying start 48 and a third a fourth that can go 49 low maybe 
So, I mean, for Serbia, for such as, you know, we have 7 million, um, our population is 7 million. And to be able to have four people in this sport, which isn't that, uh, we don't have a big budget either. We don't have, you know, everything that another country would have 48 across the board is, is a really good achievement for us. Yeah. That, that seems quite good. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for any country. Yeah. Let alone, like you said, a smaller one. Um, has there been a favorite part for you relocating to Serbia these past few years outside of the pool? Uh, <laughs> I guess, I guess the food, uh, I've always loved the food in Serbia, but I think it's sort of like a double-edged sword for as much as the food is good, as much as you have to, you know, watch how, how much you eat your calorie intake and all that. So, you know, the, uh, whenever, whenever anyone comes here, uh, the first thing they mention is how good the food is. And honestly, I can say that we have, we have amazing food here. There's no doubt about it. So I think that obviously there's things that I miss in Dubai, but uh, here the quality, the freshness, you know, all of that seasonal fruits exist here. Uh, you know, all of that uh, going to the farmer's market, you know, those bits and pieces that you wouldn't really get in, in Dubai, you get here. And those are the types of things that sort of stick with me when I think about that. Nice. Uh, so Velomir, it's, it's been awesome talking to you, getting to know a little bit of your background and story for the last hour. It's, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me. Uh, any parting thoughts, anything we miss before we sign off today? Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. I think that's it. Uh, just that, uh, I'll just part my parting thoughts is just that uh, sending out love to my uh, DC Trident team, obviously. Uh, miss them. Look forward to potentially being a part of their roster again next year. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to racing, honestly. Just getting into some some big international competitions, getting getting fit and, you know, preparing to just race my heart out again like, like I did at ISO. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.